Welcome to another episode of Off the Record with Danny Rogers, and I would like to welcome in NFL Draft media superstar and super back of the Detroit Lions, Jason Cabinda. That was your first experience while we were in Kansas City at the draft for your man on the street interviews. How did how did it go? It was. It was pretty cool. The fans were excited. I mean, um, we got some pretty cool answers. We met some cool, interesting people, some big fans. I mean, got some what food recommendations. I mean, it was it was a good experience, truly. You want to go into broadcasting after football, right? Yeah, no question. Yeah, it's not like we like are making Jason come out and do all these appearances. <laughs> you came to us and you're like, hey, I want to do this. Like, yeah. let's get the real going. It's a thousand percent the next thing I want to conquer. Why after football? Um, I mean. I didn't really know it was probably till like junior or college. Um, up until that point, I probably thought I was going to be like a broker on Wall Street, managing money, some type of financial analyst of some sort. Um, I went to school for economics. So that, that's, that's the direction I was, I was heading in. Now, my junior year, actually, we had our, um, our Go PSU reporter. She had asked me to have a little, um, like a recruiting show where basically we rate our recruits. And then we talk about like, all right, who's going to be an instant impact recruit? You know, who's going to come in in the summer, blah, blah, blah. Bring a couple coaches onto the live show. She was like, can you co-host the live show with me? I'm like, yeah, why not? Like, I'll try it. Like, you know, I, I was always good at doing interviews. I've always been a good speaker. So I'm like, you know, let me try this out. And we did the live show. Had like a live audience and everything. We brought some recruits like onto the um, actual show and like talked to them, asked some questions, brought a couple coaches on, um, and it went really well. And after she was just like, she like pulled me to the side and she was like, Jason, like I know like this was kind of just like a let me just try it type of thing, but like you like really, really could do this. She's like, you're like supernatural at this. Like, make sure you look into it. She was like, just do that for me. Just look into it. I'm not saying this is what you want to do, whatever, whatever. And I was like, I really never had somebody say that to me like that. Um, with that much certainty, you know what I mean? So I was like, all right, let me, let me just, you know, keep kind of fostering this, this thing I got in me. And, you know, the interest kept growing and growing. And now that I've been in the league, I've done broadcasting boot camp, advanced broadcasting boot camp. You know, I was able to call Super Bowl a couple of years ago, the Miami Super Bowl for, um, for what is it, uh, Talk Sport. Oh, wow. For the, you know, the, like the UK's ESPN. Oh. Is it Talk Sport? Is that what I it believe is? it's Talk Sport. Okay, okay. Um, but it was cool. It's been a really good experience, and I'm now in a place where I'm like, nah, I like for sure want to do this without a, without a question. So what what would it be analysts like do a post career Tom Brady thing? I think my goal would be a Kirk Herbstreit type of role. I would love to be on the road a lot, covering the best games, either college or NFL. I was gonna say college and NFL. And then obviously also having an a, an opportunity to have some type of studio analyst role where we're really analyzing games. That, that would be my, like, perfect scenario. Okay, so this is going on the real. We're speaking this all into existence. <laughs> all right, broadcaster, NFL player, very different from the careers of your parents, which is professor, teacher in high school, yeah. and then your dad is an MD, a medical doctor, and yeah. sounds like he has a very cool job. So how were you raised? Was it to be an NFL player? Were they okay with you taking this, this path? That was never the um, intention Honestly, honestly, the reason why I started playing football is because my parents got divorced and I had terrible anger, anger problems as a kid. I needed an outlet, you know. Um, I was always a really good kid in school. Like, I had straight A's. I didn't get into fights. I was never the kid who had, you know, teachers calling home like, hey, mom, your kid's freaking acting up at school. I was never that kid. Um, but when my parents got divorced, I was becoming that kid. And that concerned my mom a lot. And uh, one of her best friends that she worked out with at the YMCA, she had just enrolled her son into football, and she convinced my mom to enroll me too. I hated football at first. Like, I was an out-of-shape kid, like, so not ready for football, and, like, just the vigor of what football was, training camp, stuff like that. I remember 
<laughs> we used to have bear crawls, and I would literally hide in the bathroom when we had the bear crawl. Those are not nice anyway. I, I've come from, like, I've I've lived both sides of the spectrum, like, truly. It's like being where I am now, it's like where I started when I played football. So I feel like I have an extra level of, like, appreciation and gratitude for everything. So how old were you when you, your mom? When I first started? I yeah. was 10. Oh, my gosh. Fifth grade, yeah. My parents got divorced, like, with third grade, second, and a second grade, like, third grade. And then the fifth grade is when... Uh, start playing football. Mm-hmm. You peeled back the layers a little bit off camera, talking about how your your Nigerian parents brought you up. And yeah, you Cameroon. Said, Cameroon. Mm-hmm. And your mom came over to the states, and she was pregnant with you at the time. Mm-hmm. So, did she come over to America to make sure that you were born here? Not necessarily. I don't, I don't think it played out like that. But I know the plan was to come here. Um, honestly, the things that are going on in Cameroon now, Cameroon is very, um, very, very tough right now super corrupt there's a lot going on civil war that type of um environment and my parents predicted this 20 something years ago that that Cameroon would come to the place that it's in right now and that's why they moved here so it's kind of crazy hearing all the stuff going on in Cameroon now knowing that my parents like knew that this was going to happen so super lucky to be here and I think I always talk about appreciation and gratitude all the time those are like my my two top words but it's like it's so true because I know not Everyone feels like this, but I know I definitely feel like this. Like, I know for a fact that it's a true possibility that I could not be here right now. Like, I could be in Cameroon with zero opportunity, with none of the opportunities that I have right now. So I feel like every time I have an opportunity to grow myself in any kind of way, I always try to take advantage because I, I never forget that. You know, in the back of my head, there's always that, you know, little voice saying, like, man, take advantage because none of these opportunities would be here if you were still in Cameroon. That's just the truth. Yeah. How did your parents keep your Cameroon roots intact, though? even though you were born and raised here in the States? That's a good question. Really good question, honestly. Um, honestly, I, I think we kept my roots that way just off the strength of we really don't hang out with Cameroonian people. <laughs> like, we were always hanging out with Africans, like Cameroonians or Nigerians. Like, when my parents first got here, they were, like, scared of black Americans. I'm not even going to lie. They were scared. Like, they, we lived in California uh, near Crenshaw. There's a lot of crime, like, they didn't understand gangs. They didn't understand like black on black crime. You know what I mean? Like they just didn't understand. It was so foreign to them. You know, coming from Cameroon, where like our our saying is like, you know, take the village to raise a child. Like we're so much about like family, about respect, about each other. Um, and those are so much the values that we grew up on. So I think when they saw that, it was quite the culture shock for them. And I think they just try to keep us under wraps. And that's why we we they stayed. We stayed so close to Africans because they knew for a fact that their values were right. You know what I mean? And yeah, they were just scared, you know. They had never really been around white people, so they were scared of white people, and they were scared of black people here because they didn't understand some of the behavior of some black people here. So it's it's interesting, that contrast um, and experience that I've had and, and differences of values. I feel like it's made me a very well-rounded person now as an adult, if that makes sense. Yeah, with so much uncertainty your parents faced, for them to go on to have careers as a professor in college, your mom, and like I mentioned, medical doctor for your dad. Yeah. How inspirational is that? Very. I mean, the standards were high in the household. Um, it's really like that in, in most, if not all, African households. Like like I said earlier, like if you're not a doctor or a lawyer, like you're not taken very serious or like they'll look down on you, you know what I mean? So even pursuing football as long as I have, you know, I first was kind of like, are you sure this is something that can even be something? Like, like you got I'm a never... degree in econ, are you sure you want to? Yeah, you know, and, <laughs> and I mean, I had sisters that graduated high school with 4.0s. Like I told, my sisters are older than me, so like, I had to follow that. I had a 3.5 in high school, so I didn't have, not I didn't good not enough. have no 4.0. But, like, I tried, you know. 
especially with playing sports. But yeah, that's a standard. Um, I think that's very, very important. I think that's why I hold myself to um, such a high standard and everything because they, that's what they did. You know, that was the expectation. You know, we brought you all the way here to America. We didn't bring you here not to be somebody, you know, and I understand that. I understand that sacrifice. And I'm appreciative of it. Mm-hmm. So you're a little brother. I am the little brother. Two older sisters. Ah, how much older are they? A lot older, honestly. Like yeah. eight, nine years. Yeah. Did they just pick on you? They I did hope. sometimes. I won't lie. They okay. did sometimes. Um, but I feel like the majority of like my important childhood years was really just me and my mom. Because my parents were divorced. My sisters went off to college. The divorce was tough. So my sisters went far away. They're all the way in California, like with USC and FIDM. So we were in Jersey. They were far. So it was just me and mom. Um, and those was what I really call like my critical, you know, childhood years where I really had to grow up. You know, my mom's obviously was a single mom working two jobs trying to make sure I was good. You know, take me to practice here or arrange me rides here. Or, you know, whatever the case um, may have been. And you know, I had friends whose moms and dads helped me out a ton. You know, getting to where I needed to because she always you know was working and stuff. So I'm, I'm appreciative of all those people who have gotten me here. I love that. And then we talked a little bit. Your relationship's growing with your dad? Yeah, it has. You know, we weren't close growing up. You know, like I said, the divorce was really tough. Um, you know, it was divorce, and then it was kind of a double whammy, you know, for a couple of years. I was going back and forth, you know, getting used to that, because he still lived in, in New Jersey, so I'd go, like, every other week, mom's dad's house. Then in the fifth grade, he moved to Chicago. So I went from seeing him every other week to seeing him once a year. And that was, like, a double whammy for me. Like, the divorce was one thing, but then, like, my dad leaving was, like, a even bigger thing. So that, that was kind of, like, the double whammy that kind of, like, broke me for a sense in terms of like when I started really acting up in school and you know, I was getting into fights. My grades started dropping, my grades had never dropped, you know, stuff like that. Um, and it was tough, you know, it was tough from there, I can't even lie. Um, it was probably till like eighth grade, you know, I lived with a lot of bitterness, a lot of anger, probably till like eighth grade. And I forget what triggered it, but I remember one time we were coming home and my mom were in the car and my mom was like, you know, Jay, she was like, there are kids out here who have no parents. You don't have either a mom or a dad. She's like, you have a mom that loves you so much who's always going to be here for you, always has your back. Like, I know this is hard. I know your dad hasn't been here, you know, blase, blase, but be appreciative. You at least have one parent. And I really took that to heart that day. And I think since that day, I started to, like, forgive and started to, you know, just be appreciative that I have my mom, at least, because it's true. There's foster kids. There's kids who are who are orphans and kids who don't have parents, who don't know their parents or whatever the case may be. And so... You know, not having my dad in my life at that time, you know, it wasn't the end of the world. And I needed that talk with her to, to help me through that. Um, then probably it, the relationship really with my dad was really the same through high school. I didn't get better till college. College was the first time he saw me play. Yeah. It was my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was my first start, actually, in college. It was Northwestern. I had a, a pretty solid game. And he saw me play that game. And really since then, the relationship grew. And you know, we started talking more. He probably came to a couple more college games through my career, you know, been to a couple NFL games. So the relationship's grown, you know. He calls me now, we talk more, um, and it's good. You know, it really hasn't been until till I've gotten older that I really realized that I needed that relationship in my life. You know, I feel like I got to a place where I felt like I was either too good for it or too man enough or too tough or, like, I didn't need it anymore, you know. But as I've matured and as I've grown and as I've talked to him and, I realized like my dad is so much me, you know, DNA is so strong. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, talking to him and, and learning more about him and growing to know him more as an adult, you know, makes me very appreciative of, of, of having him in my life now because it makes me realize that you know, it's, every kid needs their parents, you know, mm-hmm. it's the truth. Yeah. And what does he do specifically in his 
medical field? He um, he specializes in drug safety, um, specifically, specifically cancer drugs, like new drugs that come on the market, you know, writing reviews, like figuring out side effects, you know, what drugs should go out on the market, what shouldn't, um, you know, stuff of that nature. So he's... Uh, He's been up there for 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 a while, you know. He's got a big job. Uh huh. And what does Mama teach? What does she specialize in? ESL, English as a second language. So you know, she normally deals with, um, you know, kids who who come from foreign countries, or you know, just kids who don't speak English yet, whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, kind of accelerates them, get them back and acclimated to you know being here. So yeah. Wow, the Jason Kambina story. I love it. <laughs> You're going into year six in the NFL. I am. Do you feel God, old as heck? Oh, you are old. No, nah, I'm still rookie. No, you're not, dude. You're six. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Can you believe how, how I don't know, it seems like it's flown by for you. No, nah, it definitely has. Rookie year felt like it was yesterday. Really? Yeah. Why does it feel like that? I just can't really believe it. Yeah. I can't believe I've been here as long as I've been. Um, I mean, what? Since that first team when I was here, probably like five, ten guys maybe that are still here. I don't even think it's that much. Yeah, Since twenty eight, what twenty eight nineteen? <laughs> yeah, it's like Deck, Frank, me. I think Graham was Romeo. I think yeah, Romeo. Was Graham there? Graham okay. was there. Okay, but he left and came back. Yeah, you know. So yeah, it, uh, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. It's been a lot of turnover in this building. I've seen a lot. Yeah, between coaching staff, players in and out, you know. But the growth and the journey has been awesome. It's awesome to see. Um, our culture going into what it is reminds me a lot of my journey at Penn State honestly really you love the culture there yeah but just like what we went through you know being at Penn State you know the sanctions that just finished you know my first year we had like 46 scholarship players on the roster you know normal college yeah normal college football 1A roster has 85 scholarships we had 46 my oh, freshman year because of the sanctions because of the sanctions so wow. we, we had walk-ons and we used to call them run-ons because they would walk on and actually play so we called them run-ons they had crazy. to wow yeah. Did you, I mean, usually college rosters carry about 100, 120, was 125? Yeah, it was still the same amount of players, it's just not scholarship players. Yeah. And you stuck through that? Yep. First two years, I mean, we had very average years. We might have been like seven to five, eight and five, something like that. And then junior year, you know, we won Big Ten Championship. You know, we clicked, went through adversity, bounced back, you know, that, that factor of self belief. Cause that's really what it is in football, you know, especially at, at this level where, there's supposed to be so much parity, you know, everyone's supposed to be the same, every team's built to be the same in a sense. Um, that's that's a difference maker, and I can feel that that same culture being built here, you know, I really do feel like that, that same self-belief, you know, we believe in ourselves, we're going into every game feeling like we're gonna win. Um, that's important, really yeah. important. Gosh, everyone keeps asking all the players, do you feel the outside expectations on this season? Do you feel it, or do you, Every, the, I, I call it player talk, player speak. No, we don't pay attention to the outside stuff, all that outside noise. That's a good question. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to say no, but I'm going to say no for, for a different reason because I, I get it. Yeah, that's, a, that's a typical answer like, oh, no, you know, we don't listen to outside speech. Yes. I think for us, I actually just think like we want it that bad. You know what I mean? Like it's been a long road, at least for me since I've been here, like – I feel like on every team that I've been on, even growing up in sports, like as a kid, like I was really never on a team that was even like below 500. So like my first couple of years here, that was like really the first time in like my life that I've lost like that, you know? So that was, that was really tough for me. And um, it took a lot of growth. You know, it took a lot of growth because I didn't really know how to handle it. It was, you work super hard, you do everything you're supposed to do, and the result was going to come. And I was doing all those things, the result wasn't coming. 
So that was a that was a time in my life where I really had to mature and realize that you have to keep doing those things no matter what the result is going to be or what it's going to look like because that's what you know is true to you. Those are your values. That's what's gotten you here. Um, and it's taken some time, but now we're where we're at, you know, where we're kind of in this crossroads where it's like, okay, we're going to take the next step. Um, and I truly feel like we are, man. I mean, we have a special coaching staff. We have special players. Um, I mean, in the NFL, it's very rare for you to have coaches who have played. You have coaches who not only played, but really, truly had success in the league. I've played five, ten years in the league. Um, I think the level of respect that you have for guys like that when they're teaching you things is just different. You know, it just is. You know, a lot of coaches, I'm not saying every coach is just an X and O guy. You know, a lot of coaches have a ton of experience, all those kinds of things. But when you have a guy who's really played, who's been in your shoes, who's done what you've done, there's there's just another level of respect. There's another level of paying attention to detail because the merit that are behind those words is there because they've done it and they've been there and they've had that same success that you want for yourself. Um, so I, I think what we have going on here is very special. So it's not overhyped? No, absolutely not. I don't believe I don't so think it all. is either. <laughs> Gosh, okay, that's great. What, what room do you spend more time in, running back room or tight end room? Nowadays it's the tight end room. Okay. Subject to change. <laughs> Probably. I really? don't know. Like, you don't just bounce back and forth? I have. Yeah, I've bounced back and forth. But lately, I've been with the tight ends. What if medians are at the same time? Say it again? What if medians are at the same time? Can you do both That's, what, that's what I mean by I've gone okay. back and forth, kind of depending on what, you know, the offense needs me to do. Okay, so you're in the tight end. I'm just room. a handyman. You know? I know. Whatever you need. Super back. Cabinda. Uh, now that you're in the tight ends room a lot, it was, and I noticed this, I was able to watch one rookie mini camp practice, and Sam Laporta did stick out. Yeah. Like, a sore thumb stuck out in the best way. Uh, what are you seeing from him off the bat? Oh, um, receiving skills. Um, catches the ball supernaturally. I mean, his catch to tuck and get and get his eyes up the field and getting ready to be a runner um, are, are, are impressive uh, for a rookie. Um, I truly believe he can have that um, same TJ effect, you know, that he had on our offense, you know, without a doubt. Um, he's going to help us a lot in the passing game. Um, but he's smart. You know, he works hard, you know. Uh, that's, those are the kind of things you want to see out of a rookie. You know, obviously he was drafted high, but you could tell he's coming ready to work. You can tell he's coming not feeling like he has it all figured out, which is important as well. So, you know, guys like that, when they come in, you know they're going to grow because they're willing to take coaching. They're willing to not, – not just willing, but they know they have to get better because um, at the end of the day, this is the NFL, and what you did in college ain't going to cut it here. Um, so that, that's, that's very, very exciting to um, see out of Sam. How often are you, are you around Jameer Gibbs then? We're locker mates. Are you? How is Jameer Gibbs? He's good. No, he's good. Um, you know, saw him out there at, at practice today. You know, also natural hands. You know, also type of guy looks like um, going to be a threat in the receiving game. Um, he's got speed. He's got speed. He's got home run speed. Man, I'm excited about him as well. Was he the rookie that you were whooping down on ping pong? No, nah, that now? was uh, that was AG. Uh, AG. <laughs> Who's Green. AG? Oh, Antoine. Mm-hmm. Did you know Antoine from a prior? Or no, is it just him getting in the locker room? No, nah, he was just talking a little smack and I had to, you know. Put him in his place. So did you win? Yeah, I won. Kelvin Johnson was just at practice, OTAs. Yeah. I don't know the last time he was he was out at practices. Yeah. Uh, were you a little shocked or did you know he was coming? I didn't know he was coming, but it was good to see. To have a guy like that around, you know, a Hall of Fame guy who freaking everyone in this building looks up to, you know, honestly, um, it's huge. I mean, that's awesome. It's kind of funny you mentioned because when we went to Kansas City, I was actually sitting next to him on our uh, flight there. Oh, my God, you were? You were sitting next to Calvin? Yeah, yeah. So we ended up meeting that day. First uh, class buddies? Yeah, we ended up meeting that day on the plane, and we're just, you know, 
chopping it up, rapping the old time. You know, he was talking about his investments and stuff, and not just how he loves the city, how he's still here and stuff. So it's really good to have him around. What are the odds you sit next to Kelvin Johnson on an airplane? I was with D Barnes, actually, because we were both going down there yeah. to Kansas City because D Barnes was going to go see his cousin, Sean Alexander, the running back from uh, Seattle. And uh, he literally walked, he walked past, like, you know, there's a little storage, you can get water and stuff that's at the airport. He, like, walked past, I'm like, isn't that Calvin Johnson? Barnes was like, nah, that's not him. I'm like, bro. <laughs> I think that's Calvin Johnson. Because, you know, with football, it's hard. You're used to seeing somebody at home, you don't always pads, know everybody's yes. faces, you know what I mean? But it that's a big dude. I'm like, yeah, it's a big dude. I'm like, that's got to be him, bro. Like, I swear that's him. And then when we finally sat down, I was like, nah, that's definitely him, 100%. And DB was right behind us, so we were all just chopping it up. Oh, my gosh, did he know who you were? No, I introduced myself. Was he, like, so shocked that you're playing for the Detroit Lions? Yeah, he was laughing. He was like, small world. What are the odds? Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I love stories like that. Um, You've mentioned degree in economics, investments. (laughs) I was just sitting in – the staff here does a great job of preparing the rookies for – they're new salaries, so they teach them the, the financial literacy of it as well. Your vet, your oldest oldest heck, we already talked about that. What is your advice, financial advice, as an economics guru to rookies and mainly NFL players in the league, or people like me who is starting to finally buckle down on financials? That is a great question. Um, obviously, it varies on like based on like you know where you're drafted and where you're not. Some guys are gonna have more money in their pockets right now than other guys. You know, some guys' situations are more solid than others. But I, what I would say, and it obviously comes down to like saving your money, is number one. There's no question about that. But like, find ways to make passive income ASAP because we're in a position as young people where you're supposed to take risks with your money. We're young, a lot of us aren't married, don't have kids. This is the time for risks. Um, I think one thing I learned early in my career, I don't think it would have gone different even with the knowledge I have now just because of my situation. I kind of had to do what I had to do. But like if I was a first, second, or third round pick, you know, where I felt really good about being on the team in my situation, I would have bought a house immediately. Like renting renting because the thing with being in a league is like you're traveling so much you're all over the place you're training here then you have to be here with your team and not everybody stays in their NFL cities because some guys like to be like for example I live in Florida in the offseason you know I need the good weather to train uh doing offseason instead of being out here in the cold <laughs> but you know I started doing Airbnbs because my first three years I realized I was throwing so much money in the trash renting 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 and even when i went in the off season i was always getting an airbnb or you know leasing for however long i was leasing for so getting out of doing that altogether so i ended up buying a crib in florida and then when i would come here for detroit i'd rent it out when i was gone and ended up making so much money that it paid for itself and paid for my place here and that's when i was like oh wow i've absolutely been pooping the bed i should have been doing this for a long time ended up getting a second crib doing the same thing then i move when i go back to florida i just move into the crib that does worse which everyone makes really? the least amount of money. How many do you have to choose going. from? I have two. Okay. I have two so far. Okay. I was hoping to get a third by now, but the market's been kind of crazy. So Crazy. Yeah, kind of waiting for it to die down a little bit. When do you have time to do all this? I'm a busy man. <laughs> do you have someone helping you? Yeah, I do. I hired my best friend from, from home, uh, my boy Malik, man. He helps me out a ton. He helps me out a ton, uh, especially with just organization. Honestly, it's the biggest thing because – I'm the type of person who, like, I'm always running around with, like, my freaking head cut off like a chicken. Like, I'm A to B, A to B, A to B, A to B. Okay, here to here, then we're going here. Then, like, that's just how I move and how I operate. So, like, he very much helps me with the organization and the in-between time and that kind of stuff. So it's important to have people like that, you know? Malik, the MVP. Amazing. 
Okay, it's time for some fan questions. I'm so excited for these because some of them are actually kind of good. <laughs> you never know what fans want to ask NFL players. Sometimes they ask. It's just it's just different. Um, but I did post your famous GIF of oh, yeah. you from the Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks. Man, yeah, everyone loves that one. The number one question was, "What were you thinking in your head when you were making this face?" Oh man, I don't think I could say it uh, on this podcast. It involves probably some curse words, but. Uh, very, very. Let's just say I was very ready to run through a brick wall at that moment. What was um, was that? I was the, ready to pretty much pat up the, that second. Was that the Dan Campbell baby powder talk, or was that a different one? No, that was his. Um, you know, like our journey talk about like f everybody else, f what everybody says about us. You know, like we're just gonna go like this, and yeah. soon everybody's gonna know. And you know, you know how Dan you took gets, that to man. Heart. Yeah, you know how Dan gets, man. He gets us fired up, man. Yeah. It's, it's awesome to have a coach like that. Oh my gosh. Okay, so you were. In fact, thinking about running through a wall. Absolutely. Okay. Ryan asked if you didn't play super back. I'm glad people just know to call you that. <laughs> what other position would you play and why? Um, I mean, I'd go back to linebacker, without a doubt. I miss playing defense. I ain't yeah. Gonna lie. Just I throw you out there. I miss the dark side a little bit. Yeah. I wouldn't mind going both ways in the league. That'd be pretty cool. Just tell Shep, look, man, I'm ready to suit up for you. I might have to. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. This is from Charles. What is one of your personal goals? Charles Harris? No, this is no, this Charles, a different Charles. I should have got Charles on this. Um, what is one of your personal goals for this upcoming season, and does it include breaking a couple of face masks like Corey Schlesinger did in the past? Oh, personal goals. Um, I feel like this is actually a year that I'm going into with probably the least amount of personal goals. I feel like this is the most team oriented I've probably ever been um, from a mindset standpoint. Um, Man, I'm just I'm just so excited to win. I just I want a Super Bowl. That's really all I care about. I don't care about stats. I don't care about catches. I don't care about yards. I don't. Obviously, if that's what I'm asked to do, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do my best ability without a, without a doubt. But my biggest, absolute biggest thing is just winning. Because um, I, I truly do feel like you know we're in one of those time periods where we have a window. You know, where I truly feel like our roster is really talented enough. We really have enough in this building to do what we want to do. Um, on a consistent basis, so I'm just excited for that. Oh my gosh! All right, the same Charles wants to know which teammate would you not want to date one of your sisters, and you have two sisters. Oh man, that's a tough one. I know. Uh, he gonna kill me, but I gotta go with Craig Reynolds. No I way. I go with my dog Craig. I love Craig though. Good, good old Craig. That's my dog. But Craig ain't Craig ain't dating my sister. Man. All right. What is your favorite hit? that you can remember and how did it happen my favorite probably hit. when you were a linebacker but also maybe as oh a super yeah bad. oh man i freaking oh i freaking stonewalled uh Derek watt my rookie year they were running lead right at me when i was playing defense okay. they, were running, they were running lead right at me and i oh my god let's put him in the ground your favorite dan campbell speech was it the hard knocks one um or is there another one i'm trying to think if there's another one there's a lot. There's some good ones. I heard about the one um, team meeting speech where his tooth fell out. His tooth mid, fell out. Mid speech. Maybe you didn't realize it, but his tooth fell out and he bent down, picked it up, picked it up and put it back in. <laughs> and continued like he didn't even. I don't think I realized it. Amon Ra told me that story. Really? It really happened. I don't think I remember that. Okay, I wasn't sure if that was. <laughs> That's it. funny. It's probably, it was probably the training camp one, honestly. Uh, okay. Also That's, because like it's kind of played out that way as well. You know what I mean? It turns like what he actually said. You know, it was, really was true. Oh, William's really sweet. He said, "Will you just let Will you just let him know the entire Lions fan base appreciates him?" That then, oh, of course. 
that we appreciate him? That they appreciate you. Fans appreciate you. The whole fan base. I appreciate it. You said William? William. Thanks, Will. I appreciate you. Which one of these three would you never, would you be okay with never eating again? This is from Detroit Nightmare. Three options. Pizza, burgers, or seafood. You had to choose one. You can never eat it again. Mm. Pizza, burgers, or seafood. Yeah, I, I mean, you live, in, you live in Florida. Like, I love salmon. I don't think I could ever give up salmon, so it's not seafood. So it's really between pizza and burgers. What do I like more? You're a Jersey guy, too. I'm, I just, I mean, I love both. God, I guess I'd give up burgers. I can't give up pizza, right? No, no I don't think so. Burgers. No, I agree. That's a tough one, though, too. I it mean, is I really tough. Burgers. It really is. Good barbecue bacon cheeseburger. It was fantastic. I love this question from Valet Vespa. I don't know if they're actually a valet. What influence in your life led you to be such an activist and leader in the community? Oh, uh, definitely my mom. No question. And it goes back to kind of what I said, you know, like, you know, take the village to raise a child and, and stuff like that. Um, I've always been so, so much about like my roots and giving back and just being able to put other, you know, kids in position, you know, to be whatever they want. You know, I don't have to be a football player. They can be anything, doctor, lawyer, scientist. I don't, I don't care, you know, um, but to inspire them, motivate them, and give them the confidence to be who they want to be, I think is the biggest thing. I think, like I said, you know, birthing that convict, that self-conviction, that conv- conviction within yourself that you, where you truly believe that you can do anything that you want to do. I think that's, that's the end goal in everything that I do from an activist standpoint. I truly feel like that.